By the time you hear this podcast, you'll know when you need some time off from that emotion and time to pick your heart up, up off the floor. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with another episode. I feel like we we found a rhythm or something. This is our third episode (laughs) in the last two weeks. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. I feel like we got something here. We're socially distancing. Yes. Being responsible. We encourage you all to be responsible too. And in uh, in trying to be efficient, we already have our next episode planned. Uh-oh. <laughs> so <laughs> we might tell you about it at the end of this one. Hopefully we're bringing you some joy during these uh, quarantine times, although I don't know how many people are still quarantined <laughs> right now. Well, yeah, they, they, our state's open. Uh, apparently, um, my manager was in a, in a traffic jam on the way in today. <laughs> I was in a traffic jam on the way to work today. <laughs> like, oh, oh, we, we, we got traffic jams already? We got traffic jams. We got car accidents holding up traffic. Oh, man. I experienced it all. We now, were open. people going to work or were they like going to get haircuts and get their nails done? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows where they were going? Um, or I be, just know or, that they or, were. Or someone, someone finally, finally had their tattoo design ready. <laughs> they just had to wait for the place to open. <laughs> it was it was rough. I don't know what happened. I had to take a detour, so I never found out um, what was going on exactly. I, I I just kept driving another way until I found my way to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are back with another episode. This is episode one twenty. Oh snap! And okay. Yeah. I don't know uh, what that is. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to look up what the significance of the number 120. Nope. Um, but um, for anyone who, who, well, if you've been listening to us, thank you very much. Please continue to listen. We have some fun things planned. Um, if, if you want to tell people where we can be found, uh, you can uh, go to our Facebook page. Do not go to the website. 
um go to the facebook page facebook.com slash by the time you hear this um that is spelled y-o-u what you is spelled y-o-u but if you want to follow us on instagram which we do recommend by the time you hear this spelled with the letter u which is the same spelling as our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com and we spell it with a u because we're under quarantine not anymore, but yeah, we, we were. were under quarantine. <laughs> if we're smart, you're under quarantine. Yeah, you, you should stay there. It's still out at there. least a little while longer. Um, but yeah, so the uh, the IG and the email are both spelled with the letter U. And if you want to listen to us on the go, um, uh, to avoid that um, annoying coworker, which now you have to deal with because now you have to go back into the office. Mm-hmm. And all they're talking about is like how they didn't wear a mask at all. 5G. And, <laughs> and how it's the 5G towers <laughs> that are causing the coronavirus. Throw your phone away. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone, Google Podcasts if you have an Android. You can also listen to us on Spotify. Uh, you can listen to us on Satchel Podcast Player, Overcast, CastBox, Auto Radio, Play.fm, and I've discovered two more places, uh, Pocket Cast. Okay, that's different. And Castro Podcast. Okay. Uh, those are both apps, Pocket, Co- Pocket Cast app or the Castro Podcast app. Um, you can find us there. So um, those are podcast aggregate apps i i got that term from ben uh so <laughs> i don't even know if that's real i made it up <laughs> um but uh you can if you like listening on those apps search us and you will find it you'll find us there castro okay that's different yeah, yeah. so there you go <clears throat> all right so um we we didn't really like think about what music news to talk about Mm-mm. uh not much has been happening um at least not in our world. Not yeah, not in our not in our world. Um, but we can look at uh, what's going on on the Billboard charts this week. Um, kind of an interesting time to where people can um, come out with songs like if they're you know there should be some great albums coming out. I mean you would expect that, you know if you're if they're under quarantine, you know, um, seeing a lot of IG battles or DJs doing live sets on mm-hmm. Twitch or Facebook or or uh, or Instagram um a lot of those have been going on um Lady Gaga put out a new song uh good. that's good to hear I like Lady Gaga uh the hardest working ponytail in the game Ariana Grande she has a new song of course she does <laughs> 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 what, else, what else she gonna do but sing <laughs> uh so we'll look at the hot 100 here speaking of the hardest working ponytail in the game she teamed up with the Canadian Spotify champion he has been everywhere lately dude he is yeah he got the, the the song with quavo yummy he's just not and now this one jesus man so uh their song they did a song together stuck with you it debuts at number one this guy that's star power right there man Oof. I, I i mean if you think about it yet yeah, this had to have happened yeah it had to have happened yeah, to this the is, two big two yeah. of the biggest pop stars in the world yeah um so yeah uh stuck with you is debuting at number one number two say so Doja Cat featuring Nicki Minaj. Number three, he just got out of prison <laughs> and had one of the 
biggest IG live videos ever. Uh, one of the biggest IG live videos ever with like 2 million people uh, at least. That's insane. <laughs> so Rainbow Bright, the rapper, uh, his song Gooba, which I saw the video, but I had it on mute. Uh -huh. And uh, anyone who sees the video, you know why. I have no idea what the song sounds like, but I can say I saw the video. <laughs> I feel like he should be like Mr. Snitch or something. Like he just, the stool pigeon, I don't know. Like he just, he was telling on everybody, but not like in cool ways. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just like, please take time off. <laughs> uh, that it, His song debuts at number three. Uh, the Weeknd, Blinding Lights, number four. At number five, we got Savage. Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. Uh, at number six, Tusi Slide by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Still ain't heard it. <laughs> uh, number seven, The Box by Roddy Rich. Number eight, Rockstar, The Baby featuring Roddy Rich. Number nine, Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa. And number 10, Circles by Sirius Malone. Let's look at the Billboard. 200. These are the top 10 albums at number one, debuting at number one, Good Intentions by Nav. That's the, um, he's, is he Japanese? I've never heard of him. No, he's Canadian. Wait, is this the same guy? He looks like sure. uh, yeah. skinny DJ Khaled. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of somebody else. But Canad uh, Nav is a Canadian rapper. Okay. Good for him. Um, is he associated with Drake just because he's Canadian? Oh, you think all Canadians know each other? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's actually not associated with Drake. He is associated with The Weeknd and Travis Scott and Young Thug. Uh, I don't know any of his music. Isn't The Weeknd, is the Weeknd Canadian or no? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So there's some sort of Canadian. There's six degrees of separation. Yeah. There's. Um, so he has the number one album. Called, it's called Good Intentions. Debuting at number one. I'm not familiar with any, any of his music, but if I. you are, if anyone is, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, number two, Kehlani um, debuts at number two, and her album is called It Was Good Until It Wasn't. All right. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, at number three, Dark Lay Demo Tapes by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number four, My Turn by Lil Baby. Debuting at number five, Just Cause Y'all Waited. Two by Lil Dirk. What the, what is this? What are these titles? I feel like that's a I mean it was a mixtape which or or maybe his first I don't know. And then the name, I'm not familiar with Lil Dirk either. Lil Dirk, like Oh god. I'm sorry, <laughs> these names are just uh number six, Blame It on Baby by the Baby. Uh number seven, uh the one with all the letters. I do what I want. No, yeah. We, yeah, they spelled it out this time though. They, yeah, okay. No wait, this is a different. This is a different one. This because this is a new album. Uh, already, this is a new album by Bad Bunny. Oh, Las, it is because the other one's number eleven. Okay, Las Que No Iban Aos Asalir. Um, is he doing what Green Day did, where they're just releasing albums <laughs> like every week? Uno, Dos, and Trey. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see what the. This is a compilation album. Okay. So. Wait, is it a compilation album or is it or is this new stuff? Um Okay, these okay, these are these are some songs that did not make the cut for the previous album. 
uh, it means the ones that were not going to be released. So <laughs> that's the... <laughs> oh god. So these are some B sides. And he's getting away with this because it's in Spanish and it looks it looks cool. It to looks us. cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, for names people may recognize: Zion and Lennox, uh, Don Omar, Nikki Jam. Yeah. So these are some some uh, some deep cuts or some some unreleased songs from him. Number eight, Eternal Lataki. That does sound cooler. Uh, by Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> number nine, After Hours by The Weeknd. And at number 10, Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone, the longest tenured album in the top 10 <laughs> at 36 that, weeks. Uh, he's got that stand power right now. Uh, well, going by uh, Beer Bongs and Bentleys and Stoney, it's going to be up there for probably another year or yeah. so. <laughs> Um, all right, and at the Artist 100, he released a released an album. Nav is number one. Um, at number two, the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number three, Kaylani. He released an album. Mm -hmm. At number four, Justin Bieber. He has the number one song. At number five, The Weeknd. Number six, Bad Bunny. Number seven, Lil Baby. Number eight, Luke Combs. Number nine, Post Malone. And at number ten, The Baby. Yep. Um, any, uh, oh, well, here's something interesting that we can discuss really, uh, briefly, I guess. Um, well, of course, a lot of music events have been canceled or rescheduled due to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Coachella yeah. was rescheduled. Uh, the Essence Fest has been rescheduled. So, okay. I think that covers uh, everyone. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, there's an article here about uh, if you're trying to get your money back for concert and festival tickets and um, uh, if you did fork over a lot of money to mm -hmm. go to a festival like one of the ones we just mentioned a billboard estimates that consumers spent nearly 3.5 billion on tickets this summer and now virtually no concerts or festivals are going to happen until at least June, but some more likely not until 2021. And fans are wondering what happens to the big money they just spent. So um, whether your event was canceled or postponed, legitimate promoters and event producers will offer fans a refund. And uh, as a right, as your right, uh, as, as in the fans, right. Um, I know some people think it's their right to not wear a mask in public. Um, that's not that's not a that's not a right. It's I'm not saying it's a law. You do have the right to not wear a mask, it's but it's not safe. Yeah, that's why I suggest you wear a mask. And stores are going to protect their bottom line. Uh, whatever that lady's name is, uh, Karen, uh, Abigail, Jenny, whatever, um, <laughs> who didn't want to, who couldn't go into that flower shop. <laughs> because oh, I saw the one with at Costco where that guy got kicked out too. It, it, yeah, I saw that ridiculous. one too. Props um, to Costco. So uh, the, because of the mass cancellation of concerts, if you dealt with somebody legit, you will be able to get your money back. Uh, send lots of emails if you haven't gotten a response. Uh, it is your right to get your money back. And if you bought them through Ticketmaster and the event hasn't happened yet, check to find out if the event's been postponed. Ticketmaster will refund the full cost of tickets plus any fees for all canceled shows 
sold on their platform and refunds will be automatically paid to the original buyer's method of payment used at the time of purchase. Fans should expect a refund no more than 30 days after the event has been canceled. If you bought your tickets through Live Nation uh, or are promoted by Live Nation or AEG Presents, fans will begin to receive emails from Ticketmaster that would have started May 1st for most rescheduled shows between March and June, showing the rescheduled date. And for Live Nation shows, fans will have an option to receive credit for canceled and postponed shows through the Rock When You're Ready program, which offers fans an option to receive a 150% credit for wow. the value of their ticket. So if you get the credit, you can use it for another show, potentially. So you know what this says to me? Don't buy your tickets on the secondary market. Oh, no. Because you're screwed oh, no. if you did. Good luck getting a refund back from... It got, it's not happening. Yeah, good luck. That person has deleted their account or just started a new one. Good luck. Yeah, so and it's funny because it's just like it, it probably will make people think twice next time about buying them on the secondhand market to save a few extra bucks. So, yeah, um, uh, mm. if you do, it's it's best to do it legit. Yeah. Although, and granted, I know some of these companies are trying to cut down on scalpers because in some cases, you know, you can't. This The show sells out in, you know, 10 seconds because they're using bots to buy all the tickets and then marking them up. So, but when you can, buy direct when you can. Uh, so uh, if you guys check out this article on Billboard, it's on their front page at the very top. Uh, with their articles um, concerning events affected by the coronavirus pandemic. There are other sites you can go to if you bought it through AXS, if you bought it on Eventbrite, on Frontgate. And then there's some events here that are offering refunds that are not offering refunds as of right now. Um, the 2020 Summerfest has been rescheduled for next July and tickets will be honored at that date. The Austin Food and Wine Festival has been rescheduled to November. Bonnaroo has been rescheduled to September. Rolling Loud Miami has been rescheduled to February 2021. Uh, Shaky Knees has been rescheduled to October. Okay. Um, but if you bought one to Dreamville, um, uh, Electric Daisy, is it called Electric Daisy I've never Circus? Electric Daisy Circus. That sounds funny, though. Uh, Electric Daisy Carnival. Um, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Yen, she went to that one okay. last year, I think. Um, that's another guest we could have because she works at, uh, I think she works at Ravine. Hmm, okay. So, yeah. Uh, the ticketing industry, because I know we wanted to talk about yes, that. We did. Yes. yes, we did. Yes, we did. So, yeah. Uh, something in the Water. I've heard of that one. I just can't remember where, where it is exactly, but that has been re postponed to next April. Okay. Uh, Coachella, as I mentioned before, was uh, moved to October. Electric Forest um, has been uh, rescheduled to 2021. They don't have an exact date yet. There's so many festivals. But uh, um, what, if you bought any tickets to these festivals or concerts, and you're not sure what to do, go to where you got it from. If you went through a legit yeah. retailer, if you didn't, if you went through a third party, a scalper <laughs> or a scalper, a scalp, you can forget it. Yeah. You can forget it. I mean, it's, Charge to the, game. <laughs> it's the, the thing that basically has happened to you, even though it was completely unintentional, is that you went to uh, H.H. Gregg. 
uh, on Black Friday. You couldn't get that TV you wanted, but there was this guy in the parking lot who had that TV. He was giving it to you for $200, even though it's really $500. And he gives you the TV, and then you get home, and you realize he just put cement blocks in there. This sounds really specific. It didn't happen to me. It didn't happen to me, but it's happened to somebody. It's happened to somebody. I can't watch cement blocks. You should have opened it, bro. You should have opened it. should have opened it first. Uh, but yeah, it so gives me an idea. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, if you if you bought tickets, um, check all the all the avenues in which you can get your money back, or to find out if hey, if it's been postponed, you'll know when it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I felt like that was worth talking about for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's about it. That's all. That's all that's worth talking about in the music world this week. Um, I mean, every like we talked about, everybody's under under quarantine, and now people are starting to come outside. Yeah. Well, um, so there is one thing too. I saw on that page you're talking about. Yeah. State by state resources for artists. So. I think one thing people think about is just they only think about the big artists. They think about, you know, the Drakes and the and the, I was about to say JoJo's of the world, but the Jakes, Drakes and the Ariana Grandes and Bieber's. But you don't think about regional acts. You don't think about local acts. You don't right. think about, you know, the people that aren't rich, that, you know, aren't don't make a ton off of money. They don't have residuals. They don't have royalties. You know, they're performers. So, um a lot of shows haven't started back up yet. I have seen some bars in Georgia, in the Atlanta area, um, you know, hiring bands again and, and, and putting on shows, which I still think is pretty irresponsible, if I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um, because you're going to be having a bunch of people in the show. They're not going to be socially distanced. Um, God, I hope if the second wave comes, it doesn't hit Georgia as hard as I think it is. But Yeah, I, I do worry a little because the um, Atlanta Comedy Theater, mm-hmm. Which was around the corner from my old apartment. Um, they have reopened, but they they did some remodeling, I guess, and there are a lot fewer seats. Okay. Um, there's only about a hundred seats, and I could probably fit like maybe two hundred, two fifty. Okay. So they cut down on seating, and they reopened yesterday okay. or Wednesday, and they um, some people uh, they're getting good reviews, I believe. So uh, that's one of the, even though, you know, this is a music podcast, comedy clubs are viable to, to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Live, live events in general are, are going to suffer because it's just not safe anymore <laughs> to get a bunch of people in one place mm-hmm. to see something. So, I mean, like the large, large things might not because maybe you can. You can broadcast some of these things without fans. You'll still lose the the the, the ticket revenue, but maybe get some of the TV revenue. But um, in general, like live events are suffering. Live performers, whether a spoken word artist, a comedian, a singer, a musician, um, they're they're suffering, and it kind of sucks, you know. Like, and yeah, funny enough, you know, because I, I you know I'm a I'm a you know uh, I don't want to say an amateur because I'm not having to get paid for it, but I'm a professional musician. And um, every single one of my shows in March got canceled. <laughs> if that was my if that was my primary income, I would have been screwed. <laughs> I lost five shows, five good paying shows. So you think about the person who does not have a regular nine to five. I mean, like I'm not gonna sit here. I'm not a starving artist. I'm a 
I'm a customer service manager. Like I'll, I'm going to be okay. But you think about the people who do this, you know, four or five nights a week and this is their yeah. thing, you know, they might do a regular, like, you know, what if they're the retail the, job, but they're, what if they're the house band yeah, or something? Yeah. You know? And so that sucks for them. Or even just a house DJ. Yeah. Or something. They're, lo- they're losing money. And I, those are the people I really feel for. Um, and honestly, I'll probably hold off on booking shows when this thing initially comes back because let the people who like really need it get out there and play as much as they need to to replenish what they got to replenish. Because like right now, man, like if this was your thing and you were making good money off of it, and I do know people like that who are professional, full time professional musicians, like this is hurting them. Yeah, and it's not, and and I you know I know that well we should both know, but everyone <laughs> should know if they if they don't think about it in this way. To take a, even a further uh, another step, not only the people who perform at these venues, people but working, yeah. who work there, who are you know the, they're the bartenders mm-hmm. or the 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 servers, the people in the box office, yep. um, those who clean up, who the custodial yeah. artists. No, just <laughs> <laughs> be like that. He's magic with the broom. <laughs> <laughs> but you know um, the people who who run the place yeah. essentially. Um, they're they're suffering too because yeah. we we don't know if these places will recover. Um, yeah. Uh, following uh, Roy Wood Jr. on Instagram, um, him and Mike Birbiglia, I think John Mulaney's part of it, or or they've discussed it as far as having a fund for the uh, servers and bartenders and the other wait staff at comedy clubs mm. specifically yeah. because. Um, who knows? Because I it, it got me thinking. Like, wow, are comedy clubs going to? How will they? How will they be able to come back? Not just yeah. with you know, I, of course, the, with the concert venues. I think people will come back to see music. But what if the comedy clubs go under? Yeah, where will those? Where 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 can those people? Uh, will they struggle to find work somewhere else? Yeah. And will that art, the art of stand-up comedy, how will it suffer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, a lot of people feel like there's nothing really happening and maybe not a lot of things have changed. I know not a lot of things have changed for me, but mm-hmm. I do see that it's changed for other people. Yeah. So if people are just able to see that things have changed for others, then, you know, I, I see the the impact and it's still this is still a, it's, I still don't understand the virus. I yeah. still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I I I have read about how it can spread, but if it can shut down uh, countries, shut down the whole world, I guess mm-hmm. you might say, and then people are just starting to open up. I'm like, okay, well, why? If, if we had to yeah. shut it down, why are why are we opening? It's all political. And if, if <laughs> so, this were a different podcast, I'd break it down. But this isn't that type of podcast. No, it's not. But we are we are following the um, we're doing what other countries are doing, but not the good things. There's yeah. other countries that are reopening because they did what they were supposed to do. They flattened the curve. They flattened the curve, and we're over here telling ourselves well, we that flattened we, yeah, the curve, but we didn't what flatten the curve. Or taking medication that's not yeah. even related. So we're reopening, and it's going to be quite dangerous. And um, if we had done it right, we probably could be. Like, I think I saw a post that Sweden is sending their kids back to school. 
think it was Sweden, either Sweden or Denmark, one of those two countries. Um, they're sending their kids back to school because they listen to the experts and flatten the curve, and they don't have nearly the amount of deaths we have, even if you look at it per capita, because that's what a lot of people say. Even if you look at it per capita, they're not near what we had, and now they're able to open back up and, and for the most part, go back to normal, while we're concerned that our economy might crash. <laughs> so, you know, but like I said, this isn't that type of show, so I'm not going to go into that, but, you know, just a peek. Um and I mean, I, we say all of this, of course, just to say, you know, be safe, um, support, you know, your support your artists, your local artists when you can. Um, everyone, of course, is, has their own struggles, so I, I'm not going to tell anyone how to spend their money. But if you got it, you know, and you enjoy the arts, I saw someone post a really cool picture that said, if you don't think the arts are important during this quarantine, um, don't read books, don't watch TV, don't listen to music, don't look at photography. Don't do any of those things that bring so many people joy because those are all artists. So some food for the Oh, don't watch TV because those are they're those are artists too. <laughs> don't watch anything on Netflix. Yeah, those are artists. So for all the people like the arts aren't important, they're really damn important. I just wanted to play this really quick. As many per capita as it's like per capita relative to what? But you can look at just about any category and we're Really at the top, meaning positive on a per capita basis. <laughs> no, we're not. But hey, it's cool to, you know, what's the song? Dream, dream, dream. We got to be number one, man. Dream, 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 dream. What is that? That's all I have to do is dream. That's the every brother's all I have to do is dream. Yeah. All right, Ben, uh, tell us about your earworm of the week. This song is not funny. Um, go watch the John Mulaney if you don't get that. John Mulaney and, and, and Mick Jagger. Um, this is from Mick Jagger's, I think it's like his third or fourth solo album. Um, God is in the Doorway. The song's called God Gave Me Everything. It has a couple of good songs on it. Um, it has uh, a song that Rob Thomas wrote <laughs> called Vision of Paradise, which used to get played on the Carrollton Pop Station. Because the Carrollton Pop Station played things like Anna and Alex's second single in the rough that that was the weirdest they played peacekeeper by fleetwood mac the most obscure pop songs that were singles but no <laughs> one else outside of <laughs> like they got a cheaper rate. wait wait the Carrollton pop station yeah the Carrollton pop station that's where i heard peacekeeper by fleetwood mac i heard in the rough by Anna and Alex, and i heard vision of paradise by Mick Jagger. They played the weirdest pop songs. Do you know who else wrote a song on this album? Who else? Wyclef Jean. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read that. Yeah, so, I mean, this was essentially like the equivalent of um, the Chris Cornell album Scream that no one really liked. Um, but I liked. I thought it was good. Um, th um, this one, God Gave Me Everything, features Lenny Kravitz. I still think that this was a Lenny Kravitz song that he just gave to Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger was like, well, why don't you, you know, play on it and be in the video? But I really think, like, honestly, I think Lenny played everything on this. <laughs> like, it sounds like a song where he played everything because he's Lenny Kravitz and he can do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's Lenny. I mean, he's just, he's, I mean, come on. Like, he's, I don't know. Like, I, I really like Lenny Kravitz. I like his cool factor. Yeah, I, I think this was, this is a Lenny Kravitz song that he just yeah. gave to him. Um, so yeah, this is God Gave Me Everything by Mick Jagger and Will. I almost thought you were going to say Lady Cross. <laughs> <laughs> God
God Gave Me Everything by Lenny Jagger. Uh, <laughs> uh, God Gave Me Everything by Mick Jagger. We'll be right back. That is God Gave Me Everything by Mick Kravitz. Um, he played everything. <laughs> I looked it up. He played everything. Played every, of course he played he everything, yeah. Tambourine, too. <laughs> they had credited as tambourine. Were yeah. there hand claps in there? I don't know. Probably. But, yeah, he played everything. Like, it's – you can just – it sounds like Lenny Kravitz. It's, it is his style. Um, so, yeah, I mean <laughs> – you made it, it's like Lenny Kravitz got to make a song and he got, you know, one of the greatest, you know, rock front men of all time to sing it. It's probably one of his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, we started the show here. Uh, well, of course, you can find that song on our BTT YST Earwards playlist on Spotify right now. Um, So we started the show with the uh, song Monkey by one. Um. Sir? Let me let me make sure I get his name right. Uh, Giorgios Kyriakos Paniotto. Stop it. For real? Why did yeah. I not know that was his full name? Yeah, he's uh, he's Greek. Huh. Huh. Did not know that. Yeah. Oh, God, that is long. Okay. All right. AKA George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> that was so that is he a part of the we gotta make this the um that's two ethnic all stars. <laughs> He's one of them. Like, mm, Giorgio, uh can we just call you George? <laughs> so yeah, uh this George Michael um released his debut album, debut solo album, uh Faith 
in October 1987, and it has gone on to be one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And um, some people might think it's his only album, honestly, but uh, <laughs> he's, no, he's he came out with other bit. stuff. Yeah, he's released quite a bit. But uh, that's what we're going to be discussing, his album, uh, Faith. Um, between 1987 and 1989, he was the biggest solo pop star in the world. But if you take mm-hmm. like maybe the five preceding years before that, he's still one of the biggest <laughs> pop stars in the world Just, as part of Wham. Share it. With, yeah. I know he's air quotes. Share it with someone else. <laughs> share in the loosest term, <laughs> the loosest uh, version like, of the word. In terms of power dynamic, is there a bigger that you can think of? I mean, like other than maybe Hall and Oates. <laughs> Listen to this. And this this is just for Wikipedia, but it says Michael had spent five years as the lead singer of the popular duo Wham. Do you know how weird that sentence sounds? <laughs> You're the lead singer of a, a group with two people. <laughs> it's just interesting. Like it's yeah, you're 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 it. Like Wham is Wham is George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's some yeah. people don't even know the other dude's name. I forgot today, <laughs> <laughs> and I live this shit. I forgot today, so yeah, um, yeah, that's got to be the biggest power imbalance in a group this side of like Hall and Oates and maybe Destiny's Child. And it wasn't even <laughs> duo like. Well, you're familiar with Go West. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One guy, duo, yeah. one guy is the songwriter, yeah, and musician. The other guy is the singer. Yeah. Roxette. Uh, recipes mm. to the the lead singer passed away recently, uh, but she was the lead singer. He was the songwriter. He sang mm-hmm. a little bit, but it was yeah. her voice mostly. You know, uh, it wasn't. It's not even that. No, <laughs> that's funny too because I'm thinking there's a lot of duos at Eurythmics. Eurythmics. Yeah. Dave Stewart is the is the songwriter. Yeah, and Annie Lennox the singer, but not not here. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I am everything. <laughs> Uh, and they, but they did write songs together, yeah. but it was George the one singing it, yeah. you know? Uh, Andrew Ridgely, for those who still don't know who the other guy is. You should have made up a name, like uh, this video I saw about the Black Eyed Peas, where he talks about Will I Am and Fergie, and he makes up three names for the other three, and then goes, that's how, that's how much you don't know them. I just made those up, and you probably thought that was their names. <laughs> He made us some weird. I was like, oh, okay, that's their names. And then he was like, nope, made that shit up. That's not their names. <laughs> so, yeah, we could have said, like, oh, his name was, you know, um, Greg Howard. Like, oh, okay. Like, nope, that's made that up. <laughs> it's actually um, Simon Williamston. <laughs> that sounds British. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, Simon Williamston. Did he get knighted? Did Andrew get knighted too? Um, or was it just George? Uh, well, let's see. I don't know if um no. No, okay. No, he was not knighted. All right. Oh well. Sorry for you. Anyway. <laughs> um, so uh Ben just listened to the album recently. Yeah, so I was completely unfamiliar with the album. Tried to keep it that way because I knew we were gonna cover it at some point. Um I knew this two singles or I mean there were more I thought there were only two singles. There's more than two singles. Um, Actually, seven singles on yeah. a initially a nine-track album. <laughs> I knew Faith. But this was the 80s. Of course, everyone knew Faith. Um, and I knew Father Figure. I just didn't know what was on this album. Um, but 
going to listen to it, my first words were the those two songs do not inform the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, um, of course, he's British and he's a singer. Um, so there's a lot of influence. And you can, if you ever get a chance, go back and look at some of those singers from the 80s, some of those British singers who were obsessed with like 70s soul. Peter Gabriel talks about once um, seeing a concert in some like, some like um, back alley, like blues club. I forget who was playing. It was a famous artist that was playing. He was like, it changed his life. Like, have you seen Peter Gabriel? Like, he doesn't look like he would be there. Or it, yeah. uh, Phil Collins, obsessed Same with thing. Motown. Yeah. So uh, Rod Stewart wanted to sound like Sam Cooke. Yes. And you can. And he's not even close. No. <laughs> Good singer, <laughs> but not close. Um, so George Michael, you know, from that school of, of singers where heavily influenced by um, black soul music, American soul music. And you can hear it on this album. A lot of funk influences, a lot of R&B influences. Of course, he goes on in his career to kind of stay down that path um, of of doing this, you know, does some interesting covers, um, but always keeps those soul influences. And you can hear it start here. And it's just really interesting (laughs) to to hear it, you know. Um, And then, I guess, as we were talking about, the reluctance to refer to it as an R&B album <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, it um, was yeah, strange. There was a, I, I, I feel like it's still the case now mm-hmm. because I look at an artist like Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Uh, when Future Sex Love Sounds came out, like this, this is an R&B yeah. album. It's, it's pop, but it's, it's also R&B. R&B. Um, but he was, I don't think he was nominated in any R&B categories. He was only nominated in the pop categories mm-hmm. and there, he, I think he had an issue with that. Maybe so that's the, but, the, the white soul singers plight. Like they can't get no respect yeah. <laughs> in the R&B world. No. It's like, how do I get respect, man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it isn't, it is interesting. I mean, it's, I mean, it's. It is what it is. You know, like you you have this music you love and you make it and you make it well. And then people don't recognize it. They're like, oh, how cute. It's a pop album. You're like, no, it's a soul album. It's a pop album. And you just have to go with it. (laughs) You just have to, you know, and the quote that you pointed out of him saying that it had, you know, him pointing out its success on the black charts, that meant more to him (laughs) than other success because... He likes that type of music. Um, so this was after uh, the the work on for Faith came after the group completed their third and final studio album, Music from the Edge of Heaven. Uh, what a name! <laughs> <laughs> which uh, included the uh, enduring Christmas classic Last Christmas. Great song. Great song. Um, and, uh, the song, uh, I'm your man. Um, that was, that was the songs from that, but really people really know them from the album, make it big, uh, which has wake me up before you go, go everything mm-hmm. she wants freedom and careless whisper, which was marketed strangely as wham featuring George Michael. <laughs> Maybe that was the, uh, that was the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The sign of the times, the writing yeah. on the wall. It's like, mm, I don't think he's going to 
I don't think Wham's going to go on forever. I don't think we're going to endure. <laughs> we might not make it to the 90s. <laughs> uh, and what they didn't like <clears throat> is that, uh, well, George didn't like that they were being looked at as a teeny bopper group. Yeah, he wanted to be more serious. Um, and this w- And this is something that, you know, would be a, we would see this with other artists who go solo, right? To where they want to be considered a serious adult artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw this with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. We saw this with Michael Jackson. Yeah. We saw this with um, Nick Lachey. All the greats. Nick no. <laughs> Lachey. Whoa. Uh, we saw this with if with the New Edition movie. We saw it with Ralph Tresvant. Oh, God. <laughs> what was the name of the album they didn't see the light of day? Oh, uh, Living in a Dream? Yes, <laughs> Living the dream. Oh God. <clears throat> we yeah. still want that album. Like we, what, what does that album sound like? Because he never went back to it. Because apparently, all the stuff that was on there, Bobby Brown actually ended up doing <laughs> on "Don't Be Cruel." <laughs> so uh, we don't. Know, we have no idea what that album sounds like. But um, uh, but transitioning to that, um trying to get out of the the teeny bopper game mm-hmm. i guess you'd say because this album came out he was 24 he had just turned 24 that's insane yeah <laughs> 24 jesus 24 and he's one of the biggest stars in the world and these weren't just like oh this is this is his album he wrote all the songs yeah he was brimming <laughs> he co-wrote one song yeah. on the whole album yeah he was brim- I, he was brimming with creativity that he couldn't get out and wham right and but he was writing stuff in wham though but probably not stuff that he liked <laughs> like, i mean it was i don't think he was i mean he probably was just like this stuff doesn't really it's not me doesn't push me doesn't you know so yeah he he goes and makes faith and lets out all of you know he writes songs that wham could not have done right he, well he, maybe Maybe Faith itself, the, the title track. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe Monkey. I was thinking I wouldn't want to do, I wouldn't want to do, Monkey's well, about the drugs, subject matter of Monkey, yeah. yeah, it's about drug addiction, I think. So maybe not. Okay, maybe just Faith. <laughs> Can't do I Want Your Sex. Can't, nope. Nope. <laughs> maybe Father Figure? Nah. Maybe. No, nah, you don't think so? Nah, nah. Just because of the using father figure as the it's the title and it's included as the um like so I had it in my notes what the song is supposed to be about it it confused me for a long time mainly because of that phrase um it describes a relationship in which the narrator wants to be everything to the person that he loves so he wants to be the teacher I think that was like want to be uh, your preacher teacher mm-hmm. anything your you father have in mind. figure. Uh, so would it be all of that? Like, do, do we, you, maybe that's not necessary, you know, he didn't but, know what he wanted to be. Yeah. He's, just like, <laughs> he's just like, Hey, you know, well, what you need? A teacher, <laughs> a plumber. That doesn't rime. That doesn't no, rhyme. No, that doesn't. I'm not that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's a wham song. Um, I think monkey, but maybe the lyrics are changed. Because mm-hmm. um, if you don't yeah. look deeper into that, I thought that was about masturbation. I'm not even going to lie, bro. It was like, monkey? let your monkey go. Do you I, love thought your monkey about, I thought it was me? about a, um, like, 
well, at the time, we would think he's singing to a woman. Yeah. Uh, so We, we but, know better now. <laughs> but I thought it was about, like, um, someone who's, like, too conservative. Mm, okay, okay. I thought it might have been that. Because I'm looking then, at like, this. monkey doesn't sound like it would be the right word to use to describe someone who's being, like, a prude, essentially. Yeah. Looking at this with 2020 eyes is different. Yeah. Because we know so much more about him now. Yeah. That was not known when this album was released in what, 86, 87? 87. We don't we didn't know these things in eighty seven until really when did he come out? Because I think he, he references it. Like it was like ninety nine. Oh, it was? I thought he referenced it in Freedom. No. Okay, I thought he referenced in Freedom that he was um Like no one I was knew. every hungry schoolgirl's pride and joy, and I guess that was enough for me. I thought he was coming out in that song. No. So I'm looking at that with with <laughs> with later eyes. But too. that's that's like kind of like the internal conflict he had while keeping it a secret. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's But the song that like I hear a that struggle in where there, everyone man. knows he was out was a song outside. Okay. Because he made fun of the whole incident of the men's bathroom. Ah, gotcha. Uh incident. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I didn't know that cuz I I hear I hear freedom and that's what I I hear him coming out like there's something else I've got to be, but I mean, he was screaming it. We just didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> he was screaming I don't think it. We weren't paying attention. No, we were not. <laughs> um, and I guess maybe some of these songs on faith I interpreted as him, you know, and maybe he was, but some of these songs I interpreted as him trying to express uh, that. Yeah, tell us. Well, yeah, because uh, I think in the song in a father figure, um, that was something about track, like I not know. being a crime. Yeah. I can't remember what the line is exactly, but that was a you know one of those um, one of those lines in the song where he's trying to express that in some way. Yeah, I have had enough of crime. I'll be the one who loves you to the end of time. I'm looking at these with eyes of knowing who he is now. So like it's you know I still remember. I think this is also one of those um, uh, summer songs I listened to while I was with my dad at work at his store. It came on Sunny One Hundred. <laughs> Um, is that the adult contemporary? Yeah, that was the adult contemporary in, in Columbus, which was awesome. So many great songs, but um, yeah, I think that's yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this with these other eyes that just were not there back then when this song came out. I mean, Nobody now like people were it. yeah, people were thinking about it, and now it's like oh, there were all these clues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we just didn't get them because we just. Oh yeah, but yeah, um, but sometimes love can be mistaken for a crime. Yeah, so yeah, he was he was shouting it from the rooftops. We just didn't know when we found out every every song was just like oh, oh mm. yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. um, so I kind of want to explore this more from from your perspective as someone who recently listened to it for the first time. Uh, <laughs> let's start from the top with faith. Mm-hmm. Um, a Bo Diddley inspired, uh, like the the very rockabilly, yeah, very rockabilly. So Bo Diddley, uh, Buddy Holly. So one of the things I noticed, and I don't know if this was a, a production, um, a production uh, preference. The guitar sounds really thin, but I think uh, it's done on purpose. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. um, I th- <laughs> because this is the the title track is the first track on the album, yeah. It starts with the uh, an organ playing the song "Freedom" by Wham, <laughs> and I feel like that was a. I mean, it it has to be 
But it's one. It's something I noticed. I I I mean, I remember hearing that, and I knew it was a di- another Wham song. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know it was, this was the first track on the album. So this was definitely a sign of oh, mm-hmm. I'm breaking away from that Wham yeah. stuff. Well, didn't in the video too? He's like destroying. Is he destroying a Wham record in the video? Uh, I don't recall. I can't remember. I I think he does. So this is a song called Freedom by Wham, which was on the album Make It Big. And it's a church organ. It's (laughs) a very, um, very deliberate choice here, I think you might say. Well, faith, church, a little on the nose. So you said the guitar sounds thin here? Yeah, the guitar sounds very thin compared to how acoustic guitars will normally sound. So it could be he could have been playing, or not he, because he didn't play guitar. Um, there's, there could have been a dobro being played, which a dobro is a guitar with, um, normally use it for slide guitar, like you'll see people holding it. And it's got the little, Josh used to have one, as a matter of fact, freshman year, it's got mm-hmm. the this, this silver piece in the middle. Um, so since dobros don't have sound holes, you don't get as big of a projection of sound. And that could be, be why, I don't know what was played on it, the other thing I could think of is maybe they added some chorus, which normally makes it sound big, but then maybe took out the low end of the guitar and just had the mids and the highs so that you just get that older sound. I don't know, but um, yeah, the, I just always thought the guitar, okay, so I'm watching the video too, and he is playing a guitar without uh, sound holes. He's got two F holes, so like it's a hollow body guitar. Maybe that was played on the on the track, but... It's just a very thin sounding guitar. It doesn't really hurt anything in the song. That's just one of the things that I would have made it sound bigger, but that's just me. Maybe it's production preference. Um, everything else about the song sounds really cool. Um, it's got like a nice little a nice little rhythm to it. I love the bass line on it. Anytime I cover this, rather than playing just the straight guitar line, I play a mix of it in the bass line because I love some of the passing tones it has. Um, as we the find bass out, was played by Dion yeah, Estes. Yeah, was the bass player in Wham, and then had the song that he wrote for him yeah. later. So yeah, Dion Estes, he plays the hell out of this bass. Yeah. Uh, this song was uh, the second single. Um, the guitar there is played by Hugh Burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the second single. Of course, it was number one on the Hot 100. It was number number one in the Netherlands, in New Zealand. Uh, in Italy, in Canada, in Belgium, in in Australia. It was kept out of the number one spot in the UK by uh, a song called You Win Again by the Bee Gees. So Bee Gees were still going strong (laughs) in the 80s. That's a surprise to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those Bee Gees. If you haven't seen it yet, watch the Barry Gibbs talk show. It's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the second track on the album is Father Figure, uh, which we were talking about a little bit here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is one I've been, I mean, though, so these two songs I've been very familiar with. Um, like I said, I've played Faith for many years, both versions. Father Figure was just a song that I always knew, but I thought it, I thought Father Figure came in the 90s and not the 80s. Um, but this is just such a good song. Like, it's just... It's just a powerful song. I never knew what it was about, but like he sung the hell out of it. <laughs> like he just the production is 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 killer. It's just so good, man. I just yeah. It's quintessential 80s 80s production. It's a good song. 
Um, this was uh, what I read is that this song actually was um, it was going to be like a dance song, but then he took out all the snares, and he liked how it sounded, and it sounded like this. So he kept it like this with the snaps. <laughs> yeah, with the, just the snaps. Which I guess that kind of makes the song age very well. <laughs> age is like wine, man. You got the snaps. So I'm guessing would this would the tempo have been faster too then? Because you can't yeah. really dance to this. Yeah. No, I'm glad he slowed this down. This is a very beautiful song. The background vocals are very nice. It has it has the huge ending. Um, with a choir. Well, it sounds like a choir, I believe it was and. You got the, um, you got, I don't know, it's just, I like I like the way that ends. It's, yeah, I, I, I've said a lot about this song, and I feel like I'm repeating myself. <laughs> it's just a really good song. So this was released on uh, December 28th, 1987, according to the wiki. Uh, this was the fourth single. Um, and it ended up going number one. It's uh, It was one of the early MTV classics. Yeah. Um, I've never seen the video. Have you? <laughs> I, I I vaguely remember the video. Uh, it does have a model named Tanya Coleridge, who I'm not really familiar with, but she uh, is an English model. Um, uh, he and he plays a cab driver, and they have like some relationship about how they got that. And this the video is how they got together. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the video won best direction of a video at the VMAs when that mattered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. But yeah, I mean, like this is another song that George wrote by himself. Yeah, like it, it kind of, it, and like you said, he's like he's he's gushing with creativity that you know he's just trying to get everything out there. This is another number one single, mm -hmm. of course. Uh, so the third track on the album was actually the first single and it's called I Want Your Sex. Once again, another song I thought that came out in the 90s. I didn't realize these were from his first album <laughs> um, because I always knew of the this was a, it was a controversial video. I remember that much. Uh, it's a controversial song, song still. Yeah. Um, it, it was uh, uh, banned by the BBC because they thought the song promoted promiscuity mm -hmm. and this is during the um the height of the panic about AIDS. Yeah. Um, was this before or after? I know we did the censorship one, parental advisory. Was this before or after that that um, case? This was after. Okay. Because it's Tipper Gore that went after it. No, this was on her list, right? Wasn't this on I her I think list? so, yeah. I do believe okay, so. It might have been around the same time then, yeah. if it was on her list. Yeah, I, do, I think it was. Um... What was the name of that list? The the Dirty Dozen or I the, can't remember. I, I'm thinking the Naughty it was, Seven. There's <laughs> list of songs. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what that that list was called. So it's the Parents Music Resource Center. Yes. And the filth. <laughs> the filthy fifteen. The filthy fifteen. Was it yeah, on the list? It was not. Oh, okay. Because this was before. This was, uh, what year was this? Dress You Up. Oh, God, that was such an innocent song. Think about what came out, what comes out now. Yeah, 1985. Okay, so this song came this out This was after. after, yeah. 
Um, but so, it probably would have been on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was, uh, of course, it was a kind of controversial video. Um, uh, it had George Michael's girlfriend at the time, Kathy Young, uh, uh, to emphasize he was in a monogamous relationship. And he wrote the words in lipstick, explore and monogamy on her back. Um, and uh, yeah, to show someone's naked back and it was a woman that's that's considered controversial as well, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was the 80s and we were different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just we were we were just we were there's no other way around it. I mean, if you look at where society has kind of come to now. And um, what we're, I don't want to say willing to accept, but more so like what we've come to accept um, is just very different. There are still parts of the country that are, you know, like, oh, no. But like for the most part as as a society, it's it's just not as big of a deal anymore. Um, And something like this, like I I feel bad that the message was taken wrong. Um, It was uh, banned by daytime, in the daytime by the BBC. Because uh, they they're afraid it might promote promiscuity uh, during the height of the AIDS panic, um, and George Michael said, said during... "Sex is best when it's one on one." Pay attention, people. He's talking about monogamy. <laughs> Read between the lines or the letters. Um, he said that I wasn't expecting the blanket ban. I think it's unfair because it's the first ban of its kind in a long time, and I think that if I were not George Michael, then I would have no problem being played on those stations. And it's incredibly irritating having a record out for a couple of weeks and knowing that people haven't heard it. Yeah. So he thought it wasn't getting to the people. <laughs> uh, but um, it got played in America plenty. <laughs> it went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100, held off by I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by U2. Um, and uh, he never... <laughs> Where I wanted to talk about the Faith Tour. He never performed it on tour. Really? <laughs> um, so, yeah, he didn't like playing it. Um, uh, but he didn't like playing it because he felt that it sounded too much like Prince. Sounds very much like Prince. But, I mean, he wrote it and produced it, so he knew. <laughs> he knew what it was going to sound like. And uh, he already, and we talk about the song Hard Day, in which he uh, alters his voice at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. Prince has done, had done something like that yeah. also. <laughs> and he said that he was infatuated with Prince, and he thought it was bad for him to be infatuate, infatuated with a colleague of his. So he didn't want to, um, oh, goodness. he didn't want to play the song on tour. And what you're hearing right now, the song is actually three parts. This is the first part you heard was called uh, "Lust." That's the the part most commonly heard mm-hmm. uh, when you hear this song. <laughs> the second part is called "Brass in Love," in which he brings in you know brass instruments. Um, and then the third part is called "A Last Request," which was not released uh, on the album until the 2011 remaster. So it's actually like a 13, 14 minute song. <laughs> Um, yeah but parts one and two are called the well the whole thing is called the monogamy mix when you hear the whole thing 
So, yeah. Um, let's go to the fourth track. Man, he was so... I'm looking at these videos, man. He was so young. 24 years old. 25. So young. Just looking at him then and now. Well, not now because he's you know past, but later pictures. I just, I guess I just never realized how young he was. Yeah. So one more try. Beautiful song. Um, track four. Yeah. This was used as a, and I referenced this, I referenced this show a lot. Stop it. Was it really in Cold Case? <laughs> yes. Oh God. <laughs> Cold Case had all the bangers. It, huh? It's one of those shows. It's one of those shows where you just have to see it to believe it. Because it's not released on DVD <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> but yeah, this was when their 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 trademark musical finale. They use one more try. The the George Michael version, right? Yes. Okay, because yes. we heard some bad covers. Uh, well, some interesting covers. The Leanne Rhymes one wasn't bad. The Mariah Carey one was left something to be desired. Um, just don't oversing this song. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this was the, um, let me check one more time. Yes, this was the fifth single, but it was the 80s. You could release <laughs> a majority of your album as singles, but you only had to, you know, nine, ten songs max. That's all you had to do. Um, so this song is about a man's hesitancy to revisit a new relationship because he had been emotionally hurt so many times previously but by the end of the song George sings the title one more try and that's the only time you hear the title of the song <laughs> that's how you know it's deep that's how... <laughs> uh, this was definitely a song that became a favorite during his live shows and uh, you'll probably hear it a lot on adult contemporary radio nowadays mm-hmm um, this song was a uh, number one single, a number one of the adult contemporary charts, a number one single on what was then called the Black Singles, <laughs> and he loved it too. Yeah. He loved it. <laughs> he definitely liked when it was number one of the Black Singles charts. That that meant more. Yeah. Uh, it was number one in Ireland and in Canada. Uh, only number eight in the UK. I feel like they hated on him a little bit. Uh, who it's knows? like this, this song sounds too black. You know, they're probably like, <laughs> like it's not Wham. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not Wham. Oh, is that new Wham? No, it's just George Michael. Michael. Like George Michael of Wham? Yeah. Why is why is he changing his name? <laughs> I thought his name was Wham. It's not George Wham. It's like, you know, there's two people in Wham. Yeah, George and really? Michael. <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it was George and Michael, but you said George Michael. So did they meld together? Oh. God. Did they did they morph into one person? Oh God! <laughs> For all the British people out there, it's not funny. Not, not funny. Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, no, I, I love this song though. So this is, of course, you know, my first time hearing. Well, my first time remember hearing it. I don't know who knows. I might have heard it as a young person. Um, seeing how well some of these songs did on the R and B charts, I'm tempted to call my sister and ask her. Um, what she thought of George Michael back in the day because she probably was like, oh yeah, we used to listen to George Michael all the time. Like I just didn't realize that black people got down with him like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, well, I think she graduated in 92. <laughs> Is this too late to play at her prom? Like, <laughs> 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 did she dance at this at a dance? You know, like, 
It's like, all right, guys, last dance of the night. <laughs> they turned this one on. and. <laughs> Uh, I have never seen the video for this. There's a video? Of course there's a video. It's the 80s. (laughs) And it was directed by Tony Scott. Like the Tony Scott? Yeah, who direct Top Gun, Tony Scott. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Rest in peace. Yeah. Wow, okay. And he kind of, was he big enough? Well, if he did Top Gun, was he a little big to be doing music videos? Top Gun was the year before. And George Michael got him to do a video. Okay. That's what's up. All right. <laughs> he had, hey, man, he had the juice, man. George Mike had the juice. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Holy crap. Yeah. Jeez. I did. Okay. Of the last Boy Scout fame, if you haven't seen that, that's an interesting film. Enemy of the so, State. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That's crazy, man. Well, I knew he was British, too, so maybe that was the, I don't know. It seemed out of genre, though, because he, he did, like, action movies. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Fast cuts. <laughs> Quick and, cuts. Lots of text. And now he's got... He got George Michael. Was it a fast and this, cut? And this particular song. No. Wasn't a fast cut? I don't think it is. <laughs> uh, so this was number one for seven weeks on the Hot 100. The uh, second longest running number one. Um... And well, it was there for three weeks. It was number one a total of seven weeks. No, 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 no. It was there for three weeks, and the second longest tied with "Every Rose Has Its Thorn" by Poison. Oh, so yeah. Um, as we mentioned, it has been covered by Divine, Beverly Knight, uh, Mariah Carey. Apparently, a lot of people like the Beverly Knight version. I hear. Uh. George Michael gave his endorsement of the Beverly Knight version. Okay. Uh, Joan Baez. Which that seems um, out of genre for her, but okay. Iron and Wine, Mariah Carey, and Josh Kaufman. Who the hell is Josh Kaufman? <laughs> he was on The Voice, so he probably performed it I, I was, th- I was like, he sounds like he was on one of them singing shows, but... <laughs> yeah, Joan Baez is like a... Isn't she like a folk singer? Yeah. That's weird. Okay. Um... So uh, the next song, which was a single, there's no video for it, but it was a single, is Hard Day. And you said you like this one? I dig this one. So this is the one where he changes his voice at the end, right? Yeah. I thought that was a girl rapping, and I was like, who is this? She's kind of dope. But um, (laughs) that is not the case. It starts out a little slow, but once it gets into it, like it's got a a nice little funky bass line, which I'm pretty sure if we look it up, Dion has has displayed it, more than likely. Um, And... Yeah, I just it's it's a really cool it's just it's just a cool track. It's dancey. A little bit of a backbeat to it, you know. But yeah, just listening through this album. So the last track and this track are tracks that made me kind of start to respect him more a little more as a singer. Um I know when he passed away, we were cuz we were doing the podcast when he passed away and you yeah. talked about the level of respect you had for him as a singer. And I had never really thought of him as a great singer because I just never paid attention. And I was like, eh, that's not fair. You can't say someone's a bad singer or not respect them if you don't actually give them a chance. So I did listen to a little bit more George Michael and I've come to respect him more as a singer. Um, and then like really listening, God, I love that bass line. Um, listening to him more now, he, he he was a good singer. Like he, 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 he knew what he wanted to be and he was a good singer. And I, he probably felt a little stifled in Wham!, not being able to, you know, he didn't really sing like this in Wham, 
other than like maybe Careless Whisper and I don't know. I don't. I don't. Well, yeah, maybe Careless Whisper. He got to show it off a little more, but early on. I think they were still trying to find their, I think earlier they tried to find their way and then they got put into this like post-disco teeny bopper box. Mm-hmm. Um, but on one of those songs, there's a song called Wham Rap where they're actually rapping. Oh yeah, I forgot about it's that. It's 80s rap, but still they're rapping. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna try this new thing I heard on the radio. <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time in the East Village and... <laughs> So, I mean, that. And so just like we talked about before, a, a British artist inspired by black music yeah. is inspired by hip-hop, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, some great bass lines, though. And this song is, is this no This had to different. be Dion Estes. Oh, I, yeah, he played on yeah, it. it. Yeah. Like, no different. <laughs> like, he's just, he's he's killing these bass lines. And, like, in the later, ha- in the second half of this album, a lot of these songs, other well, yeah, even the even the last one, a lot of them are kind of bass driven, and I don't mind that. I like that. Um, but this one in, in in particular was probably outside of Father Figure, my favorite track on this album. After listening to it, um, yeah, like it's just, and the bass line is what really makes me love it. I love a good bass line, and Dion brings it. All right, so uh, hand to mouth. This was not a single. Uh, anything you want to add about this one? I'm trying to remember that one. Um, yeah, this one. I think I sk- I kind of skipped this one a couple times. Like it's not bad, but like it just it it get it got a little repetitive for me. Um, What's funny is that this like the the Prince influence is mm-hmm. there. Yeah. <laughs> <on this one. laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of. Uh, um, is it Sign of the Times? Yeah. <laughs> was Sign of the Times out yet? I think so. Okay. I don't remember what year Sign of the Times I think that was like nineteen eighty six. I don't want the Harry Styles one. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Sign of the Times. Okay. Uh Sign of the Times was eighty seven. Wow. <laughs> March nineteen eighty seven. Six months. These albums came out six months apart. <laughs> when did Fade come out? It was like October, September, October eighty-seven. Okay, so he was. We know what he was listening to <laughs> he was listening to when he seconds. made this March thirtieth, nineteen eighty-seven. This is what George Michael was listening to <laughs> when he made this album. That explains so much. Now, the in fact, the fact that he said he's infatuated with Prince, he was listening to Prince yeah. when he made this album. Cut. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's episode. <laughs> that's that's it. That's all we need to know. That was okay. Yeah, because it sound, it reminds me of Sign of the Times. Um, not as uh, good as Sign of the Times, but it has that feel to it. Uh, look at your hands, which was track seven. So yeah, so I remember this is the only song that he co-wrote with someone on the album. This song to me, and I'm not even trying to make fun of it. It sounds like it belongs in a buddy cop film. Like it just has that feel to it. Speaking of, well. I guess it's not really a buddy cop film, but I Want Your Sex was included in the film Beverly Hills Cop 2. <laughs> and it actually won a Razzie for worst original song. Oh, <laughs> come on. It was misunderstood at the time. But I think it was a scene where they, I think they were in like a strip club or something. I've never seen Beverly Hills Cops movies. Oh. Yeah. Shoot me. I know. I ain't seen them. <laughs> if you want to know why Eddie Murphy was a star. I heard that's why. It was based off the first one. Wasn't he in 48 Hours, too, which was like a rehash of the, these movies? 
Uh, that was kind of. Nick Nolte was his his buddy cop, right? Nick Nolte was there. Not exactly. Nick Nolte's the cop. Eddie Murphy played the 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 criminal. Oh, okay. But he's vital to a case, so he gets released for forty eight hours to help find the guy. Okay. Yeah. Axel Foley was Beverly Hills Cop, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I haven't seen Lethal Weapon either. Uh, forty eight hours. He's Reggie Hammond. Okay. Uh, anyone who's seen the rundown with the Rock and Sean William Scott. It's kind of got that forty-eight hours type of okay type of vibe. So, okay, yeah, but th- yeah, this sounds like it could have yeah, been this, a, yeah, this like sounds- in a scene where they're like in uh, the opening credits where they're driving a car. It's got the saxophone. Yeah, it does. It really does, man. Like, but it's, I get it. Like, it's bluesy. Like, it's not a bad track. You know, it's very bluesy. It's got the saxophone in it, but it just sounds it just sounds kind of corny. Like it to me, it doesn't fit the rest of the album. Mm. And it makes sense that it was the one he co-wrote. It just does not fit the rest of the album. It wasn't a single, so. Yeah. Whatevs. Uh, we played Monkey to start the show, uh, but we're going to play the last track, the, la- the last original track, uh, which was Kissing a Fool. It's a very jazzy track. The jazz number. This was a single. I wonder who played piano on this one. Uh, this is also the last single released from the album. Um, I don't have that information, so you may. I'm looking at the credits now. On track nine, he played bass. Okay. Um, so he, he just played bass on it. He did not play anything else, it looks like. So there are a few keyboard players on there. Um, okay, it looks like Chris Cameron played piano on this one. Um, he played organ on uh, Faith yeah. the, the, to start the song. But yeah. but yeah, this is a, no, this is a, I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but it's a good track. And I, I think it kind of, it just, it shows a little bit of his tastes, his yeah. taste in music. Um, it is also a song that doesn't quite fit the rest of the album. <laughs> <laughs> with the electronic, you know, like you come in with this track that has all live instruments and it just it just doesn't fit. Like it's not a bad song, it just doesn't fit. Uh, I mean, it's one of those songs I felt he may have been listening to some Chet Baker. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, our little Sinatra. I'd be curious. But, to it, see but on the song, it. it reminds me of Chet Baker a little bit. Yeah. But I think it is interesting that he would write a song like this because yeah, jazz isn't a really an easy genre to write. Um, if you're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not an easy genre to write if you don't know music theory because the chords are complicated and you wouldn't know how to use them or how to put them together. That being said, it's not the most complex jazz song I've heard, but even a simple jazz song is, is more difficult to write than your typical pop song. Right. Because of the the type of instrumentation and stuff you have to use in the chords, like tons of seventh chords, diminished chords, you know, and people usually avoid those <laughs> because they're harder to play so yeah it's it's not bad so yeah that was the uh that song went to number five on the hot 100 and because of based on all the other songs on the album and like you said like it doesn't seem like a fit mm-hmm. i feel like it went to number five just based on oh it's just more george michael yeah <laughs> because yeah. um you know we've had that uh, I've had this theory, like as much as people love Adele's "Hello," 
I yeah. felt like it was as popular as it was because it was, it was her first song in like four years. We were hungry. People were hungry for, for Adele. Adele. And this is just that on kind of a smaller scale. I mean, this is the song. The album had been out for over a year at this point. Yeah. And uh, the based on when the first single, um, I Want Your Sex, when that came out, I think that was June of 87. This is November 88. Yeah. <laughs> when this, Almost a f- over when a this full song year. comes out. Yeah. But it's another George Michael single, um, and it's a it's a song for the fall, you know, Thanksgiving, yeah. and you know, later Christmas, the cuffing season before it was a thing. Cuffing season? No, he didn't. <laughs> but it was. It was cuffing season. So we didn't um, call it that yet. But it's like, oh, it's this new George Michael song, and people and if people still hadn't bought the album at that point, they bought it. They, <laughs> they like, if Merry this Christmas. is the song that made you buy it. Well, hey, there are seven songs that you should at least like <laughs> on the album because this was the seventh single. Uh, this song was covered by Michael Bublé. Well, I mean, duh. <laughs> kind of uh, feel like that. Yeah. I didn't know it, but like it just. It makes sense it now. It makes sense. <laughs> Michael Bublé would cover this song. Yeah. And according to George Michael, the vocals were recorded in one take. Okay. I'm gaining respect. Gaining respect. <laughs> So um, I want to talk a little bit about the tour here. So there was a tour, of course, um, which started in February 1988 and went to July 1989. Wow. 109 shows across 16 countries. Paula Abdul was his choreographer. He had a choreographer? <laughs> um, Dion Estes, of course, was a guest and along with Aretha Franklin, I'm, uh, Dionysus is probably open for him. <laughs> uh, Aretha Franklin was a guest. Um, uh, he. Um, oh, I didn't realize that was not one of his albums. I thought the new you were waiting for me was one that of was his a, later albums. It was on her, her album. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. That makes sense. It's a good song. <laughs> um. <clears throat> He recorded. Uh, well, there were three different recordings of the of the concert. There was a, a performance in Rotterdam, which was never, which has not been released on DVD. There was one in Paris, uh, which was released as a, uh, which are the the live versions were played on radio in mm-hmm. several countries. In 1989, in Madrid, there was a live broadcast. Um, on Spain TV. He was, oh my God, he was killing it, man. And this was, and you know how like, well, with a lot of acts that we would see if they go on a big tour, they start in their home country. Yeah, he started in, what, he, he to- starts Tokyo. in Tokyo. Yeah. He starts in Japan. <laughs> Three nights at Madison Square Garden. Uh, then Japan, then New Zealand, then Australia. Oh, then, he, then his first American date is in Hawaii. <laughs> then he goes back to the Netherlands. So he's in Europe for a while. He comes back to America, um, starts in Landover, Maryland. Uh, he does three nights in Madison Square Garden, um, three nights at in Mountain View, California, at, at uh, Shoreline Amphitheater, three nights at the Forum. Sellouts. 
<laughs> Yikes. This and is um, he did play in Atlanta at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. <laughs> and there's no data there for that. No. <laughs> but look, look, he's playing like the, the, the NBA arenas, which I always look at it in, the, in that context, the NBA arenas or just the big uh, venue, the big music venue. But he played at Texas Stadium. Holy crap. He played at the Superdome. <laughs> he played at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, the Orange Bowl in Miami. So, like, people came out to uh, – he he got the big stadiums. It wasn't a lot of the big stadiums, but if it was a big enough, like, look, we, we can't have this at the Omni, okay? No. We got to move this to Fulton County Stadium. Um. So That's yeah. impressive. I mean, first tour as a solo artist after a very successful tour as a successful stint, you know, I guess it was just because of his visibility in that group. It was just the, the it was easy. It was an easy transition. Like, okay, now I'm going to be the biggest star in the world. I'm going to do a I mean, like how many people get to do an international tour their first time out, you know? Like yeah. that's and then not only do it in an international tour, but it's like successful. Yeah, the you know it was yeah that was that's pretty insane. He played in Pensacola. That's crazy. He played in <laughs> Pensacola. I've been to Pensacola. There's not much in Pensacola. Oh man, Tampa, Miami, Pensacola. Ah oh, man, that's like when Bobby Brown came to Columbus, Georgia. Like just why? <laughs> why? So yeah, um, let's look at some of the awards that this won. Um, well, one big one. <laughs> one big one, but we'll get to that in just a second. So at the American Music Awards, he won favorite favorite pop rock male artist, favorite soul R and B artist, and favorite soul R and B album. I want to see who he beat out for this. I, I gotta see the other nominees here. Bobby Brown and Michael Jackson. That's it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh that was for the favorite soul R and B male artist. I don't see why they would nominate him for pop rock. Like this isn't pop rock. Uh, the favorite uh, soul R and B album he beat Gladys Knight and the Pips, "All Our Love," <laughs> and Keith Sweat's "Make It Last Forever." Oh, that's a classic <laughs> right there. Um, pop rock male artist he beat Michael Jackson and Steve Winwood. <laughs> That's such a weird lot. But Michael check this out. This was this was one that was more impressive because with the Grammys, uh, he won album of the year. This album won album of the year at the Grammys. It was the only Grammy he won that night. Mm. He was only nominated for two. It's like, uh, <laughs> only one I needed. <laughs> he was only nominated for two Grammys, and one of them is album of the year. And... Um, just to let you guys know, he is credited as the sole producer of this album. <laughs> so it's him and himself that walked up there. <laughs> he didn't have to walk up there with like 20 people. <laughs> but this is this is who he beat, which is so 1989. Tracy Chapman. <laughs> Bobby McFerrin. Oh, God, this is. Steve Winwood. Was it Roll With It? Roll With It. God, yeah. that was a good album, but. This and was staying. Oh, <laughs> which one? Summoner's Tales. Uh, nothing like the Mother- sun. Okay. Oh god. 
and he was uh, also nominated for best pop uh, best pop performance vocal. He lost to Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. He was also nominated with uh, Phil Collins for a groovy kind of love. Be still my beating heart by Sting and roll with it by Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood was another one of those people who was heavily influenced by American Soul. Yeah. And it's just like you got these two, but just one of them does it a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to what's funny is like not to, I'm not gonna go far off here, but like if you listen to, if you listen to Steve Winwood, he's got like live horn sections, he's got a full band, like he really that song really went all out. Even the video is like in an old juke joint and they're playing the song. Yeah. Like Steve Winwood was like, I'm in this 100%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. But he lost. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So only nominated for two Grammys, but won the big one. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he's only he only won two Grammys. The other one was for best R&B performance by Doer or Group, which was for I Knew You Were Waiting For Me with Aretha Franklin. It's a great song. Um, so, yeah. So what is your what is your uh, overall assessment of this album? Like, what do you think it is and, and why do you think it was such a huge album? Mm. Well, if in terms of why I think it was a huge album. The same reason Justified was a huge album. The same reason um, the first Beyonce album was a huge album. You've got these artists who were part of groups that were larger than life. And they struck while the iron was hot. They they put out a solo album. They were the face of the group. So Justin Timberlake, face of NSYNC. Um, some people might argue he was co-face of it with JC, but Schizophrenic just didn't do well. So no. he was the face. Um, Matthew Knowles made sure Beyonce was the face of Destiny's <laughs> Child. <laughs> and um, so they struck while the iron was hot. They made a good album. And they you, you kind of you go off of that that, rec- that recognition, the recognizableness, if that's even a word. And it works in terms of why it was critically acclaimed and why it sold so much and all those things. I think it, it was because it was a good album. Now, I will say this. It sounds very 80s. Like, it's yeah, not something yeah. that, like, you're like, oh, it's timeless. Like, it sounds like I when don't know it was any, released. Any, any 80s albums that don't sound 80s when you listen to them yeah. today. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, they made what was good at the time. The thing about pop music that some people might not realize is pop music changes all the time because pop music incorporates whatever's popular at the time. And so this was what was popular at the time. So... It's very rare that you get pop music that does not sound dated. If you can make a pop album that doesn't sound dated, then was it really a pop album? <laughs> I don't know. But but that was okay because this is what worked at the time. And they made an album to the best of their ability with what was popular at the time. They did it well. And I think that's why it's kind of endured. You know, I will say that if anything, the only song that maybe does not sound would be doesn't sound eighty. Would be faith and would be um, kissing a fool. Kissing a fool sounds timeless. Faith sounds like it's older than it really is. I mean, <laughs> other than like you know the the drum machine sounds a little eighties, but like the rest of it sounds like it's from like maybe the sixties, the fifties, yeah. the sixties. Um, so that's really the only song he that gets played at sock hops. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and he's wearing the leather jacket with the jukebox and the boots, and 
He himself looks like he was, you know, Buddy Holly's friend. <laughs> <laughs> he played in the crickets. I don't know. Let me stop. But um, that's the only song really that does not sound like it was from the 80s or the early 90s. But like I said, that's okay. You know, I'm not going to belabor or beleaguer uh, an album that sounds like it was made when it was made. It should. That's why it was popular. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think that it's the thing that um, that made it so big is that George Michael was was the face of Wham. Yeah. Uh, even though it's only two faces, George Wham. <laughs> He's George George Wham. <laughs> um, and I think that because he, like you said, he was gushing with creativity, and he came. He wants to talk about uh, it. Basically, these songs turn out to be clues about his internal conflict. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, he wanted to express that. So these end up being these, like, very well-crafted songs. And it's just great that he had the creative control, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like I said, he's the he's the sole producer on this album, and yeah. he co-wrote one song. <laughs> it was only his voice, which is even more impressive because the term that we we coined "genius unchecked." Yeah, we've seen what can happen when you get we only have one voice. Now, when we now, if we ever talked about the next album, mm-hmm. "Listen Without Prejudice," yeah, then that would definitely <laughs> put him in the genius unchecked category. <laughs> Uh, because we were like, I don't, uh, okay. Freedom 90. Okay. This one's cool. Um, uh, what's this praying for time about? What's this about? <laughs> and that was a song that went number one. But if you listen to it, I'm like, how? But it was one of those, like with Adele's hello, mm-hmm. people were hungry for George Michael. It had been two years uh, since the uh, it, well, three years since the album came out, we're hungry for new George Michael. Here you go. Oh, can you play that new George Michael? Michael. Even though I've never no. heard it, I have no idea what it sounds like. And then, like, it goes to number one, and it's not that great of a song. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's 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 interesting. You know, the kind of off topic with the Snyder Cut coming out. Um, hashtag oh, Justice Cut. League. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, that was being talked about, like you know how in some cases if you just have one voice in the room going unencumbered, like things can get really hairy, you know? And one of my favorite bands ever experienced that with their lead singer, Stephen Jenkins, after Kevin Cadigan, who was the other creative force of the band, kind of left and Stephen Jenkins and, you know, they say Third Eye Blind produced the third album, but I'm pretty sure it was just Stephen Jenkins. Like a lot of the ideas don't sound developed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't hear that as much here. I will say there's like the one song that, um, and I forget which one it was, that kind of sound like um, Sign of the Times maybe could have been reeled in a little bit, but. Oh, um, I think that was Hand to Mouth. Yeah. But he at least had experience. Like he had, I think one reason it worked is because he had been in Wham for a while. So he knew how to write a pop song. He knew don't make it too long. (laughs) Keep their attention. And these songs are kind of long now. Yeah, yeah, but by pop standards. Yeah, by pop standards. <laughs> yes, yes. But I think um he kind of, you know, he had an idea of of what to do and how to do it. And so it just it I don't I don't I don't think if he didn't learn it in Wham, he could have translated it. I don't think if he had done it in Wham, he probably wouldn't have been given that freedom. They definitely put mm-hmm. someone in there with him to help him produce it. 
Um, I, and I, I think that kind of gave that previous success, they kind of gave him a little bit of carte blanche. Now, I think if it failed, oh, he never gets to do this again. Like, if it doesn't do well, like you're swinging, he's, he's essentially swinging for the fences here. Like if this doesn't do well, I don't think they let him do it again. Yeah, I think uh, I think the experience with Wham helped, and because he was writing, they were writing those yeah. songs together. Um, and then with this one, it's like, well, I don't have to worry about what Andrew thinks or mm-hmm. Simon or Bobby. <laughs> What's his name again? Sir Pennington. <laughs> uh, um, doesn't have the he doesn't have to contend with that. So they're just he's just writing what feels right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then it it was this is a very this is a more personal album than than it uh than at first than you think it is. Yeah. It's more personal than you think it is. So And yeah. it's if you look, you know, interestingly, if you look at the solo albums of other popular artists, they're not given that freedom quite yet. That's like the third or fourth album yeah. if they get that far. And I think it's because and this is no knock on Justin Timberlake, but Justin Timberlake wasn't writing a lot of their stuff. I don't think By he got involved. Instinct, yeah, he, he was, got to write a yeah. couple of things, but yeah. it wasn't like a "Hey, we're gonna let you, we're letting you handle this." They were an LFO, and some people might not get that, but like LFO wrote their own stuff, and yeah, and some could say that might have held them back that they didn't get the best songwriters. <laughs> Max <laughs> Martin wasn't available. Okay, you know, like they're making these songs on the albums on the budget, <laughs> so, but you know, they they didn't have that you know kind of juice. To where Justin could walk in and be like, I want to write Justified. And they'd be like, that's cute. Um, Here's Timbaland. (laughs) Here's Pharrell. You get in the studio and you get us a hit. I want that thing you do in Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you're Matthew Knowles, you just, you know, negotiate it to where your daughter gets writing credits on everything. So it didn't matter. Um, But he had the juice. You know, he had success. keep saying juice, but he had success. Like he had, you know. I've written number one hits, multiple. Yeah, I, I deserve that. Careless whisper that was played at your daughter's prom. Yeah, yeah. who wrote that? Yeah, me You're looking at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was in the suit. Let me stop. <laughs> 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 yeah. So he had, he had. Yeah, he had. He had a lot of credibility built up. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand that, and that that's that's not something that a lot of people who are artists that are in groups that go solo have. Mm-mm. No, it probably um, helped that it was a duo. Yeah. Not as many voices. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that will do it for our discussion on George Michael's faith. Um and uh we'll get to my earworm of the week. So uh this is this artist's first appearance on the earworms playlist, I I think. Is it Paula Mud? I'm kidding. No. <laughs> no, it's not Paula Mud. <laughs> M-U-D-D. Um, yeah, two D's on that. Um, so this is an artist. He's from uh, he's from Compton. Okay. Uh, but he's you wouldn't think that he was. Uh, some of his stuff it reminds me of like I thought he was from like Texas. Oh. Or maybe Chicago because had some some of his stuff has some house music influence. Okay. Uh, but his name is Channel Tres. Oh. He he black though. Uh, <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> um, uh, Channel Tress. He's a a rapper producer. 
Um, he's probably going to be, if you ever see him live, he's one of the first rappers that you've seen in probably 30 years have uh, dancers. Oh! Have backup dancers. Oh, he takes this serious. Yeah. Okay, that's what's <laughs> so up. So it, he has the... Uh, uh, the Big Daddy Kane aesthetic to where he, he's, he's dancing, he's too? got the two guys oh, that is dancing awesome. with him. So. Does it have a hot top fade? No, oh. no. <laughs> it hasn't gone that far. <laughs> but, uh, but I like a lot of stuff that he's put out so far. Um, and this song is called Black Moses. I like that title. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's uh, Channel Tress featuring JPEG Mafia, which is a that's just an incredible name. For a rapper, <laughs> that's an incredible name to be. So, uh, this is Channel Tress and JPEG Mafia, and it's called Black Moses. And uh, we'll be right back. Ain't about me, ain't about me. Gotta cook it up, come on, niggas hungry. featuring JPEG Mafia, Black Moses. I think this is on 2K20. Really? That's what I'm reading, yeah, when I was looking it up. I I don't remember hearing it, but then again, like, usually by, like, month three or two, I turn the soundtrack off because I'm tired <laughs> of hearing it and I just not listen to the podcast. But, yeah, I saw some stuff that said it was on 2K20. Um, it's pretty dope. Hmm. It was on an episode of Insecure recently, but okay. this song's been out for about almost a year. Okay. So, uh, Insecure producers, whoever, if you're listening, uh, I should be your music supervisor. Hey, I listened to um, <laughs> Black on the Air featuring Larry Wilmore, who I know is one of the creators yeah. of that show. And he ta- he brought on, I think he brought on Issa Rae on an episode. Um, But a lot of his episodes have been very political lately like i love the show but like sometimes i'm just like all right man take a break like <laughs> i enjoyed this episode with bradley whitford who was all who was in get out but like he'll bring on actors sometimes i think he brought on van lathan once that was cool but a lot of times lately he's been bringing on activists and, and politicians and i'm just like that reminds me with uh very larry <laughs> <laughs> hey look the the nightly show got canceled you gotta you gotta get this stuff out He's funnier than I thought. I didn't really pay attention to him until this. I'd heard of him, 
but I didn't really pay attention to him. And I'm like, yeah. he's he's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been at it for a long time, and he's a um, Lakers fan, so you know that's. i uh with uh mentioned van lathan he's he him and jamel hill are doing a podcast in which they will uh discuss and analyze every episode of the wire yeah it's on the ringer yeah i heard about that um i haven't listened to it i haven't either i I got i gotta go back and watch the wire and then I, i might be able to get back into it there's some um i i there's some interesting podcasts they're putting out i will say that in terms of the Ringer, that being one of them. Yeah. Um, I know they put one out called Flying Coach with um, Steve Kerr and – is it Greg Popovich? I can't remember. It's like Steve Kerr and someone else. Hmm. Um, they have another one called Music Exists, which is like fake deep discussion of music. <laughs> I tried to listen to it once, and I was like just – yeah. But I heard about that one, Jamel Hill and um, Van Lathan were doing, and it made me want to go watch The Wire because I've only watched like two episodes. So, oh, I, flying I coach with Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll. Pete, yeah, that's who it is. Pete Carroll. I knew one. I was gonna say Bill Belichick, but I was like, a Bill Belichick would never nah, do that, he, and b never. Bill Simmons would have a heart attack if <laughs> if that happened. If he could get Bill Belichick to do anything, but yeah, flying coach. Oh, they did a an episode with the author of uh, Moneyball in the Blind Side. I liked that movie, Moneyball. I never seen Moneyball. It's um, it's an Aaron Sorkin script, so you know they talk fast. They talk really fast, yeah. Yep. <laughs> like in the Social Network, they talk, they just talk fast, man. Didn't the, you do the script for the big, the big, um, the big, uh, the big, big short? Yeah, the big short. I think he did that one too, because they talk fast. I just assume if they talk fast, know. it was an Aaron Sorkin script, because he just. I, I know he uh, he created the West Wing, the yeah. West Wing, and um, Newsroom. Yeah. And uh, Studio 60. Um, Let's see, what else did he write? Oh, Sports Night. Sports. They made a joke about it on Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Few Good Men. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot because he adapted the play. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Steve Jobs. I haven't seen that one. Um. So, yeah. I'll go watch that, though, The Wire, and maybe check out the pod. They... Yeah, they do a lot of those type of sh- things, though, where they'll just, like, break down TV shows. Um, I didn't know he was working with Jamel Hill. I think he's just getting everyone who used to work at ESPN that doesn't like them anymore. Because <laughs> he got um, Ryan Rossillo to mm. do a podcast. I was like, all right, that's one person who <laughs> boned a pick with ESPN. He got Jamel Hill, boned a pick with ESPN. Mm. He had... Um, um, he had today, I was listening, he had Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson from All the Smoke podcast, which is a very good basketball podcast. And of course, one of I forget which one of them worked for ESPN. I don't think they really care for them anymore. And he's going after, <laughs> he's like, you used to work at ESPN? Yeah. You hate them? Yeah. Well, do I have a proposition for you? <laughs> so, yeah, funny stuff. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is also doing a, a film that he... Yeah, write, wrote and direct. He's right. He's written and directed a movie about the trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is playing mm-hmm. Abby Hoffman. That'll be interesting. Uh, oh, and before we go, because this is our podcast, and we can talk about whatever we want. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of the music selection in the Last Dance? Have you watched the whole all ten episodes? 
Yeah, I watched all the episodes. Um, it wasn't overwhelming. Okay, and I, I mean that. that in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't distracting. <laughs> um, I like the music early on better than later. Some, yeah, some of the stuff later was a, a bit interesting. I like mm-hmm. the soul coughing. Yeah, I like that choice. Um, <laughs> the Kenny Latimore was funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was so <laughs> funny to me. Because this people still don't realize this. Michael Jordan is not really a fan of rap. Yeah, I heard about that. I I didn't know that, but I mean, older generation. I was listening to Bomani talk about. I like, grew up in the country. But but, but at a at a Def Jam <laughs> party in the story that he was at a Def Jam party and all these artists want to meet him, <laughs> and it it was something like, oh yeah, uh, Red Man wants to meet you, and he just says, fuck rap. Yeah, <laughs> at the Def Jam yeah. party. Yeah, I heard about he's that. He's saying that. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> um, I know. So there was. I know some people were talking about the using the Pearl Jam song at the end. I uh, didn't mind it. I mean, I think I didn't, you could have used a better Pearl Jam song. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's their choice. I would have preferred to hear Garden to close that out because Garden has a little bit of a build up. But I, I don't know. I mean. I, I didn't mind it. Um, I, I wasn't really paying that much attention to it as far as the music selection. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't over overpowering. I did like paid in full at the beginning. That yeah. was that was I liked that a lot. Um, but the the Kenny Lattimore section was just <laughs> to me. But, the new but, Kenny but, Lattimore ain't come out yet. <laughs> yeah, the, that is a weird flex. Yeah, that People really say is. weird flex, but okay, that is a weird flex right there. <laughs> and but the thing is, like, yeah, he. I mean, Mike grew up in the country, but he listens to what we now consider adult contemporary music mm-hmm. that or or auntie music. Yeah. <laughs> so he likes Kitty Lattimore. He listened to like Anita Baker yeah. before games, Peebo Bryson, it's Regina good, Bell. Good stuff though, man. Uh I don't know if you listen to Michael Bolton. That might that might be too too heavy for him. He was giving him the best that he got, man. That's what but he was doing. It was Anita he, like Anita Baker is his favorite singer, I believe. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Um I remember listening to my body Joe's podcast. He had Michael Smith, and uh, so one of them said, "Like, oh, what if you listen to Shade?" He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Shade might be too cool for him. Yeah. <laughs> he would fan out over. Shade. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind the music selection for the most part. Uh, but I wasn't really thinking about it that much. Yeah, I thought about it early on, and then as it went on, um. Because who? Because I listened to Bomani and I listened to Bill Simmons, and they both talked about the music. Like it came up because the music was really good in the beginning, and they both said, "Oh yeah, it gets better." And then I was disappointed to see that it didn't. Like it didn't. Nothing wowed me after those first few episodes. Yeah. Like it just wasn't distracting. Which I guess you don't want the music to distract you from anything else, but because um, they were talking about the use of "I'm Bad" by um, LL, LL Cool J. J in the in the Celtics game. Where he scores like sixty plus points and he's the player of the game, but they lose. <laughs> um, it was it, it was very fitting. I don't know. It's just I felt like those. Yeah, it's yeah. I like that they used um, "Down with the King." That's my favorite mm-hmm. Run DMC song. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, super bond bond by Soul Coughing. <clears throat> I heard that recently. <laughs> it is like <laughs> they're one of those bands to where 
they're one of those like really underground bands that yeah. have a huge fan base. Yeah, I know um, Circles, but that's that was the song I knew by them. Um, they used uh, "Been Around the World." Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so, it's so 90s. I like that they use Connected by Stereo MCs. That was one Gotta that kind of stuck that out song. to That stuck out to me, too. Yeah. Um, they use Jose Gonzalez's version of Teardrop rather than Massive Attack. Uh, I, it was I mean, something for that's, everybody. That's a little, a little anachronistic, but whatever. I mean, you can do what, you know, I don't think it mattered to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I don't remember Shook Ones. It's on this playlist, but I don't remember it being that. I don't remember that either. I feel like that that should have had a more prominent placement. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like I mean, it's it was it was good. I I one story they didn't tell, and and Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson is on this list. I don't remember it in I documentary either. either. But there's a story where um. In the in the late eighties, someone said that um like Michael doesn't know any celebrities. I think someone on his team said he didn't really know anybody, mm-hmm. even though he's one of the biggest stars in the league, but he doesn't he doesn't know any stars. He yeah. doesn't like have their number or anything. And he's like, Oh, I don't have anybody's number and he just like calls Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Hey Janet, yeah, it's Mike. And he just starts having a conversation <laughs> in front of his teammates. <laughs> He took it as a slight. (laughs) He had to, had to. And then he went out and put up 60. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when they said, I don't know celebrities. And that's why I said, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. (laughs) That was like the line of the the day. That's all I needed. (laughs) (laughs) I think someone put up a beam. It's like, um, (laughs) so uh, during during warm-ups, you know, I looked over on the other side of the court and I realized that guy didn't kiss his wife before the game. And I thought, yeah, I'm about to drop 50 on his ass. That's all I needed. That's, That's all, all I needed. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Oh, well, okay. Uh, oh let's let's stop before Jordan gets us shut down <laughs> because he's feel slighted. Um, yeah, because he's like, That's all I need. <laughs> before he scores 60 points on us. Um, oh, God. I don't want to get LeBradford Smith. No, oh, man. That's still a funny story, and he made it up in his oh, head. Oh God, I don't want to get LeBrad <laughs> Smith or Nick Anderson or <laughs> no. Oh God! All right. Yeah. Um, so Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes. Yeah, so if you're listening to us, thank you for listening. You found us. Um, so first off, you can find us wherever you found us before. Um, but if it's not that obvious, you can find us first off. Um, don't go to the website. Go no, to Facebook.com/slash. By the time you hear this. You can find us also on the gram at by the time you hear this. And you can email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. Now, the Facebook is spelled with the word you, Y O U. The Instagram, as well as our email address, is spelled with the letter U, and that is because we're not under quarantine. No, we're not. Should be. I got my mask. Uh, we should be under quarantine, but we're not. And we're hoping that you're out there staying safe. And we hope that we are bringing some modicum of joy to your. Um, to whatever it is you're doing, staying safe. That's a word I don't use much. Yeah, I, I like that word. It's a, it's, a, it's a cool little word. Um, now, if you want to listen to us, as most people do, listening to podcasts uh, to uh, uh, avoid the busker or the conspiracy theorist who says that this was created in a Chinese lab. Um, oh yeah, that's one of them now. Yeah, it's if you're trying to avoid those people um, or the person who's like, this isn't real as people are dying. Go figure. 
Um, check us out on, if you have an iPhone, Apple Podcasts. If you have a, um, an Android phone like myself that is superior, Google Podcast. Um, there's also some other aggregate podcast sites such as CastBox, Overcast, um, TuneIn Radio, which is, an, was, is not an aggregate. They're actually a podcast host. Social Podcast Player, um, Auto Radio, uh, was it Castro Podcast Player, and what was the other one you said? Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast. Listen Notes, um, uh, Play.fm. I'll never forget about Listen Notes because that's such a cool thing. Um, Listen Notes, of course, being the one where you can find the by subject with show notes, and then Satchel being the podcast player, which you can find local podcasts in your yes. area. <clears throat> so um, support a local podcast, you know, wherever you are. If you're in Atlanta, you can find us. Uh, maybe you can find my one of my other favorites, um, the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know podcast, which I think is um, recorded here because they always reference things here. And um, if you happen to be in another state or city or whatever, check out some local podcasts. Show them some love. Show them some support. Give them a five-star rating because anything less than five stars, we're going to think that you're a hater. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just assume <laughs> as such. Drinking the Haterade. And you can't defend yourself. Yeah. Up here. You're, you're so dehydrated, you got to drink Haterade. Like, <laughs> why don't you go drink some Loverade? I don't, that was stupid. All right, let me no, stop. No, yeah. Stop <laughs> Every it, joke stop. doesn't hit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's show they business, can't all baby. Be winners. That's um, show business. <laughs> 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 all right. So, uh, well, we played every song on the album, uh, but uh, there were some uh, other tracks from the remastered mm-hmm. re release. And um, there is a cover of. When I Fall in Love, It Will Be Forever. The yeah, had, there's a song. few of them. He had that one. And he has a Stevie Stevie Wonder cover mm-hmm. as well. Um, should we end the show with one of those? I think so. Um, yeah. Oh, well, no, it's the Stevie Wonder song, I believe. When I fall in, uh, not the, I'm thinking Nat King Cole, but yeah. it was Stevie Wonder. So we'll go with that Stevie Wonder song <laughs> to end the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And... Uh, yeah, we're going to keep the, the next episode a surprise. Yeah, I'm down with that. So <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Our eyes before the Lord.